Aya, Tim here, and before the podcast, I have a quick note. Due to rights reasons, the songs have been shortened for this podcast. Every song is taken from Catatonia's International Velvet. It was released on the 2nd of February 1998 on Blanco y Negro. Enjoy. Tim's listening party was a lockdown sensation. Unfortunately, it was on Twitter, which you can't listen to. But Absolute Radio has the solution. Tim Burgess explores seminal albums alongside the artists who brought them to life. Absolute Radio presents Tim's Listening Party with Tim Burgess. Hiya, and welcome to another episode of Tim's Listening Party on Absolute Radio with me, Tim Burgess. This is a show where I have the pleasure of speaking to an artist all about one of their albums. And we'll get to listen to it, and we can play it out together. My listening parties so far have included everyone from Def Leppard to Texas to The Bangles to Tears of Fears. To catch up on any of these listening parties, make sure to search for Tim's Listening Party wherever you get your podcasts. And I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to tweet me throughout the show using the hashtag Tim's Listening Party. This episode, I'm joined by one of the most recognisable, unique and best voices of the night is. A key part of the cool Comrie movement, Catatonia proudly showcased their Welsh heritage in their music with Welsh language. Their album, International Velvet, was a huge success, going three times platinum in the UK, spawning two top five hits and hitting the number one spot in the UK. She's now a fellow radio presenter. <laughs> yes, I just said that. And a leading voice in British music over the past 25 years is Keris Matthews. Keris Matthews, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you very much. It's good to see you. I can't believe we've never met. We have met. <laughs> You're testing my memory already, aren't you? That's mean. Sorry. Can you imagine like, if we'd have told each other uh, how long ago, 25 years ago, 23 years ago, that we'd be sat here being DJs? Been yeah, interviewing each other like on a regular basis, yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think we would have been surprised, but I think you know it's probably inevitable. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm you doing. Know? I'm doing very well. Yeah, Just quite buzzing actually. Yeah, you've been busy. Still excited and still a lot of great music coming up. So yeah, yeah. So we're here today to discuss in depth. Oh, Catatonia International Velvet. Mm. But I want to go back a little bit further. I mean, and one thing I was like, you know, thinking about was the name, you know, Catatonia, and you know why why the name was my first question. Well, the name kind of came from a song, which was "Sweet Catatonia," which okay. ended up on the first album, I believe, "Way Beyond Blue." We were reading Aldous Huxley's "The Doors of Perception." Very good. And that's where the, the doors got their name from. Yeah. And we had this song, Sweet, 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 Sweet Catatonia. Mm. And we thought, oh, well, we needed a name quickly because we yeah. kind of got together, Mark Roberts and myself, and we'd been writing songs and started to get a bit of interest. You know, we were quite lucky that we were releasing music in Welsh language, in the mm -hmm. Welsh language, as well as English. And what was really good at the time was that um, there was Welsh language television and great music shows on that station which meant that really from a very early time emerging artists got the chance to make videos wow. um okay. so it's so really early on like yeah. if before we got any kind of coverage in enemy or the melody maker yeah. we had made videos and so we needed a name so we just jumped on that one not really realizing the sort of severity um and the sort of you know angst of and, and challenges and troubles of true catatonia yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 
I was wondering whether, you know, like you'd had, you know, knowledge of it growing up or something like that, you know, through friends or, or band members or... Thankfully not. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but it was just because it was in a great book, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, we loved the sound of it. You know, because quite often with words, I love words, so things like chitterlin and chinkapin. Yeah. You know, you're like, what's that? And and you might not quite grasp the sort of depths of them or what they actually are, but they, they're a lovely sound. Well, it sounds good coming from your mouth. <laughs> Without you, we'll get you everywhere. Yeah, uh, well, it's it's true. I mean, the first song on the album is Mulder and Scully and for those who don't know who Mulder and Scully are, can you tell me about that please? Yeah, so Mulder and Scully are a, are a, a duo that went round finding out the answers. Do you know what? I've never watched it. Haven't you? No. I was obsessed with it. I'm, 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 I'm yeah. scrabbling around going, oh they were a duo uh, trying to figure out uh, strange things happening on the planet <laughs> um, but we just used it um, because it was everywhere at the time Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, you know as was you know, Mark Roberts and I you know, wrote this, co-wrote this song, and and he's pretty good at you know. I think a lot of songwriters are good at at, at noticing great phrases or great yeah, lines yeah. and using unpredictable things as as rhymes within songs or poems and things. And and this is an example of that. It was everywhere. It was in the ether. Yeah, so we took yeah, it yeah, and yeah, we yeah. used it in in a, in a song. I used Itchy and Scratchy in one of my songs. Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> yeah, from the... Uh, well, no, from The Simpsons, you know, the, uh, oh, okay, the yeah, character yeah, yeah. In, in, in The Simpsons. and That's quite a, quite a good... But, again, cultural phenomenon and... Um, Who killed Kenny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, South Park, yeah. I mean, could have got some of that in. Yeah. Would've that good. would work pretty yeah, well. well. I'm sure he has appeared in a lot of songs. Yeah, definitely. He must yeah. have. Yeah. But when I first heard that track, I didn't think that there was such an original singer as you hmm. I thought I thought maybe like you know perhaps like Bjork or the Proclaimers I thought the Proclaimers I'd, just, I'd never heard anyone roll an R like you since the Proclaimers huh do you know if you listen to Let's Go Fly a Kite you know that song I realised that it's a lovely example of a rolling R in um and make it soaring. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't the first, that's for sure. Um, but the thing is, right... Such a breath of fresh air, though, is what I'm trying to say, really. Well, I think you're, you're born with a voice you're born with. Yeah. And I would much prefer to have a much lower, bigger voice. Yeah. Always have, but it's my voice. I mean, I'm what age I'm at now, I've still got quite a high voice. <laughs> You know, it's just what you're born with, right? And that's how I sung. Do you think lots of people, when they sing, they hate the sound of their own voice? That would be an interesting test, wouldn't it, to see? I, I never mean, liked the sound of mine, you know, not for, not for a long time. It took me a while to get used to it, you know? Yeah. I think you'd be a pretty peculiar person if, if you sat there listening to your own voice. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... I mean, I, it was just like, you know, in playbacks, you know, in the studio and stuff like that, I would just be like, ah... Oh, yeah. I wonder if I could add something that would just make yeah. it sound a little track, bit better. Track, and, track it, put, yeah, and push it down in the mix. Push it down in the mix. Oh, but I, I think it. It, I think it sounds more exciting when it's lower in the mix anyway. I always used to, lo- I always used to love my vocals lower in the mix. But I know, but then you don't pick up the lyrics. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? good lyricist and you're a good lyricist, oh, I, I want to hear the story as well. Yeah. So it, it sometimes it defeats the purpose, so I think we need to just get the balance right. 
Yeah, I always used to argue that Exile on Main Street, I couldn't understand anything, but I, I understood the story because it was like just fog, a you know, vibe. just like craziness. <laughs> yeah, no. a vibe. But I, you're right, the lyrics are really important and yeah. it's good to hear the clarity and, and, and nuances as well, I suppose. Yeah, because the human voice is something special. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, when, when I first heard uh, Catatonia, I was in between albums, I think. It was after Telling Stories and uh, before it was not as Only and, and uh, Mulder and Scully. I just thought it's like, you know, a huge like breath of fresh air, but it's basically what I was saying. So it's another compliment, but that's fine. Thank you. You're welcome. Now let's hear the first song from International Velvet, Mulder and Scully. That was Catatonia with Mulder and Scully from International Velvet. So the next track is Game On. Yep. And uh, I was wondering whether you were um, sort of predicting um, Man United's 98-99 treble win. Uh, <laughs> that was Because I used to see you at United. It? Yes, yes. Well, I have, I have a friend. He's still a friend, Pete Boyle. <laughs> yeah, Do you know Boyle, Pete? yeah. He does Boyle. all the songs, doesn't he, for United In songs? Fact, he came on... I'd, I'd been living outside of the UK for a while and uh-huh. I got invited to do... Is it Don't Forget the Lyrics or something? It was a TV show. Right. I think it was Don't Forget the Lyrics, something like that. Okay. And I thought, well, I'll do it. It's for charity. You know, I don't... I don't you know, I'll just do it. <laughs> so you had to bring a friend with you and I brought Pete Boyle oh, in. Fantastic. Thinking that, because, you know, if you don't know Pete Boyle, he's he's a character, he's a friend of Larry Cantona and he, he's been associated with Manchester United and the songs that sing, yeah. sung on the terraces of Manchester United for a while. See, the, there was a lad, well, Mark Roberts was was big Manchester United fan yeah. in, in Catatonia, so we had those Manu shirts with sheep on the front when they were sponsored by Sharp. Yeah. Remember all that? <laughs> um, we also, had a, there was a song, I believe in, um, Do You Believe in Me, Andy Cole, Andy, I'm Andy Cole's tortured soul, I yeah. start to get in front of goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had your <laughs> confidence. Um, and there was another song, Lost Cat's got a reference to Manchester United football game as well. Um, Trelleberg, when they played in... Is Trelleberg, Sweden? Right. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I'm thinking about all these things. Um, it was that period, a golden period of um, Manchester United. Yeah. And anyway, <laughs> Boyley came on this Don't Forget Your Lyrics and the guy before us was at Gareth Gates. He was doing really well, so he was remembering all the lyrics. Yeah. The whole point of the game is to remember as many lyrics, and the more you remember, the more money you're amassing for charity. Yeah. And so he won all these money for charity, and we were sitting there, and there was there was you know a free bar backstage. Boyley was there, availing himself, let's say, to the free <laughs> bar. By the time we came on, and do you know the song? I got I got there. There was a Cliff Richard song. Got that fine. Can't remember what other songs. But then there was this song, and I, everyone else knew the song. I'd been living in America. And it was it was a song as as famous as Ruby 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 Ruby. Yeah. Um, Is it Kaiser Chiefs? Yes, yeah, Kaiser Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. And I had I'd never heard the song before. See, yeah. so I'm like, oh my gosh, didn't get that lyric. So anyway, I was like, phone phone a friend, and it was Boyley. <laughs> Boyley was he wouldn't answer his phone first of all, and then next and then they got in touch with him backstage, and then brought him on stage. He's howling drunk. 
and he couldn't help me. <laughs> I'm like, this is why you've come on board, Bailey. You're meant to be helping me out, Joe. We we won, what, did we earn for charity? Ten grand or something? Oh, that's good. So we had fun. It was fun. I didn't... And we got to mention Boyle on Absolute Radio. It, it was a bit <laughs> embarrassing not to know the Kaiser Chiefs, Ruby, 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 but there we are. But yes, and in short, it was the golden era of, of Manchester United. Uh, one particular boy in the band was particularly, you know, into Man United. And I, I got to meet Eric Cantona. Yeah. McClare um, used to come to our show. Yeah, Chucky, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, he came to a lot of mine. In fact, my dad was like, you know, right in the middle of a conversation about telling me how good the gig was and everything like that. And then... As soon as Chucky arrives, he's like, "Oh, forget that!" Yeah, you know, he's yeah, like, yeah. straight over to talk to someone important. Exactly. Yeah. So United it's quite interesting to see who was into music on what music the football players were into. A lot of them were into Luther Vandross. I went to the opening of the Red Cafe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think it was '92, uh-huh. and uh, Alex was there. Took my dad. Um, Carolina Hearn was there. Oh, yeah. I was friends yeah. with Carolina yeah, as well. She was great. And uh, yeah, just ended up being able to make my dad's lifetime really good beckham well, was there scolzy you know yeah all the lads but well, now of course roll on we're in 2023 it's the golden era of luton town football club is that right and i'm friends with jeffrey the dog oh you know well, there jeffrey you go. the labrador dog that's so you know gone gone viral with matt, matt the owner you know so i'm living the dream that's amazing you know and watching great football and and so it's uh, supported by good people and, uh, and and jeff the dog you know there we go Perfect. Football's big in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's hear the second track from International Velvet. Game on. I'm the Mob we're on now yeah. and that was, a, that was another big single mm. was that the first one released from the album I'm the Mob I think was a single it was a single definitely and and we did make a video for it and we made the video with Keith Allen's brother Kevin Allen oh I don't know Kevin who Allen who went on to be a director but we made the video in Scotland in, in, in one of the outer islands and it was brilliant to make it so we had a horse in there Mushrooms, you know that you could eat, and we and and we had we filled the perspex drum with goldfish. Yeah. We, they survived. Don't worry, no goldfish were hurt in the making of it, and uh, and then they brought a helicopter because it was the nineties. So there was a lot of budget back then. <laughs> remember? And they were like, oh, we're, we're going to bring a helicopter in, and we're like, oh yeah, we're all going to go in the helicopter. And then the next minute, it was like, no, you're not going in the helicopter. You've got to be dancing on the on the shore while the director goes in the helicopter and there's a flyover. I'm like, oh okay, all right. Wow. Well, you just did, didn't you? Just went okay. But it was nothing to do with mafiosa, mafiosi, mafia. It was. I mean, it was. The song was, but it, the video wasn't. The video was just more like herring around in the countryside. Well, there's a, a, re, a recurring theme of goldfish in the album, right? Yeah. Was all Is that, that about? the next one? No, no, not yet. We're not. We're like jumping too far ahead, but okay. You know. Yeah. Well, I I didn't have many pets growing up. I did <laughs> goldfish. <laughs> I don't recommend having goldfish as pets. No, I mean, 
they've got uh, what five second memory or something is it so they, so they say yeah, that, that, was, that, that was a fact that I used to know but I've, I've forgotten that it could maybe be three seconds her, <laughs> three second memory but they also need cleaning you know? yeah and if you don't clean they, they, you, you look at their tank and it's full of that green gunk and it's going you have not cleaned us in yeah. a while and you're like okay I used to be quite impressed by the big tanks you know with like multiple fish but different who, not just goldfish but who had that that kind of tank. There was know? just the doctors and with the oxygen and the fluorescent fish. Yeah. I love yeah. those with the blue line. Yeah, there. and the bubbles. The occasional dentist and, and library yeah. would would have them. We never had one of those. No, no, no. Just just the just a plastic bowl and a and a, a goldfish from the fair. Exactly from yeah. East Fair. <laughs> exactly from the coconut shy. That's yeah. exactly where we got a goldfish yeah. from. Of course. Yeah. How did you know? Well, because I'm, I'm just Impressive probably thing. live... I, I think I've lived a similar kind of life, you know. <laughs> Fairgrounds and uh, goldfish and uh, Nashville. We, in Nashville, around about the same time. Yes. But anyway, back to International Velvet. This is I Am The Mob on Absolute Radio. Right I'm the Mob by Catatonia. So Road Rage is track four. And like just one of the biggest songs of the era, you know, without a doubt. Uh, I've got on my notes here that the album sold 900,000 copies. I presume that's just in in the UK. Mm. But Do you ever... Well, you, you probably don't because you don't look back you know you look forward and uh but you know this is the opportunity to look back and have a and and, and have a thing about uh, just about how like massive you know the band were you know what's really interesting is is i looked recently at the sort of timeline of things yeah and we were a band and, and i started writing the songs for the band when i was around if not 19 20 21 or something and then it took several years before we were signed and then yeah. several years again and then we hit the spot where we were actually in a bit of a limelight yeah. but when you look at that timeline the the time we were in the limelight's really short yeah and i i found that fascinating um because in the timeline of the making music was so big and then in a flash it it was all it's sort of over cuz I, I didn't want to do it anymore yeah. Um, but yeah, with but with Road Rage, I remember sitting there on my nan's old upright piano and and pulling out those first chords for the verse. Yeah. And I found them. I found them comforting, you know. Um, and then when you write songs like that, and then then they suddenly, you know, you go into the studio. It was a bit of a pain. It ne- it actually wasn't gonna end up on the album because yeah. it we. We couldn't get it right. It was pulling and pushing. You know how some songs yeah. do that in the yeah, studio? Yeah. It wasn't straightforward. In the end, we had to do a tempo map for yeah. it yeah. because quite a lot of the songs back then, a lot of people, I, I quite preferred going f- free range, <laughs> you know, where you don't have a click in your y- ears yeah. when you're putting songs down. Um, it's but, really weird when you first get introduced to a click, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but then it was there was a fashion for it in the 90s. Yeah. It was like, oh, no, we're going to do it to a click. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we're like, okay, well, we'll just try it out. Um, 
and and then doing it to a click didn't allow us to to make the choruses take off yeah and it needed it this yeah. particular song needed the chorus to change so we ma- tempo mapped it and then and then we got it but also if you if if you play guitar or piano you'll you'll know that with every at the end of every chorus you go back into the verse in a different key so throughout the song it gets higher and higher and higher so it it it, it was quite a difficult nut to crack right. so, song wise um and then and then we did crack it and it went on the album and that was i think it was the most popular song and it went yeah. on to rotation on radio, radio one yeah and and that was and then i remember hearing that in a in a taxi in london and, and going oh my gosh this this is nuts you know um and that and then, and then thinking back to when you first start start those chords and start the idea for a song it's 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 quite interesting what did you what did your nan think what did my nan think <laughs> well you know it's it's interesting because she she my nan was you know, often wonder why I've, I'm so obsessive about music where, yeah. where it's come from and my nan um, was a mezzo-soprano um, but when she married at 18 I mean she's from South Wales yeah. she married at 18 she yeah. worked in Woolworths and her then husband my granddad said well that's no more singing for you you can't go out singing and that was it you know, so she'd started singing in the Stedvods and things like that, which are the Welsh competitions, art competitions. And so she didn't carry it on. Yeah. I actually took my nan into a studio to sing a song. So I had a recording of her voice and we Brilliant. sang together. Yeah, Brilliant. that was that was a big pleasure. She's not, not with us anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to give thanks and, and yeah. recognise, you know, where music or where any interest in any family comes from and... I think it's nice to, to look back and and give kudos, you know. In nineteen seventy eight, my nan bought me Love Bites by Buzzcocks. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I just like I like to mention it as often as possible, but um, you know, I just like the idea of my nan going into Woolworths and asking for this record. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, and she did it because she knew I wanted it, and it's my Christmas present. And they were they were from Bolton as well, and my nan was from Bolton. Oh. Uh, so I just I, I, I just I like that vibe. You know? Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think it's time we played that classic track, Road Rage. That was the fourth song from Catatonia's International Velvet. It was, of course, Road Rage. Next up is Johnny Come Lately. Oh, I love this song. So I've known a lot of Johnny Come Lately's, but uh, who's this one about? Well, this song was inspired by... I I love the natural world. I love plants, particularly. Yeah. And it's inspired by uh, the idea of a prize vegetable grower. Right. <laughs> For real. It's kind of like a story, I suppose, and it's not. It's not, you know, because some songs start off and they're about a real situation in your life, and then they'll grow into something which yeah. it, it ceases to be fact, but goes into some imaginary world, mm-hmm. and that's fine too. The songs and albums can take on a life of their own, can't they? Yeah. You just you would have to follow the song and see where it takes you, 
Yeah, of course. And Johnny Come Lately was one of those. So the idea was this, you know, if you're in a relationship and this Johnny Come Lately comes along and ca- catches your eye and... and uh, and then that's that's the story of this song. And in, in this particular song, he happens to be a prized vegetable grower for, for real. Because <laughs> there's this, you know, this sort of like the boy gardener kind of thing, or the man gardener. Or but I, I do I do love people. People always say, "Oh, are you cat person or are you dog person?" But I've always just loved plants and yeah. trees and and growing green things. So if a person has a green interest in in nature and stuff, then I think it's it's magic what they do. You know. It's an interesting craft and discipline. I had um, a song, and it was on Modern Nature by the Charlatans, and it's called Lot to Say. And um, I wanted it to kind of like just really evolve, you know, almost like, um, you know, like when Andy Warhol used to sort of like do those, like, um, uh, you know, films. The, fil- the films of like not nothing really happening. It's just like people talking to the camera and stuff like that. Or the idea of a plant sort of like growing, you have to, you have to, speed it up you know to actually see it on these these shows right yeah and um so i just wanted the song to kind of like just be like a plant opening you know just like really really slow and just like sort of cyclic yeah um kind of motion just kind of rolling and rolling and it was the last track on the album and and i remember our a and r guy so like uh he used to call it not a lot to say uh, <laughs> because it was like so slow at kind of revealing itself but, I, but, I, but, but I loved that about it you know and it was kind of like it wasn't a song that needed to get to the point that much because it was never going to be a single it was just a a thing that flowed and kind of like just opened up in its own time and uh, and yeah. uh, and this has been a co- topic of conversation across um, with different musicians just recently about giving a song its own time. Yeah. And being wow. confident. Actually, it was Bonnie Prince Billy. Wow. Well, yeah, older. yeah. And he was referring to a female musician whose name escapes me, so I beg your pardon, uh-huh. that he was listening to. And she was just taking absolute patience with however long a song needed to be. And I just love that idea. Wow. Especially in, like today, in 2023, where oh, yeah. everything is like. Um, it's kind of like you know being contrary and, and kicking against it just, yeah. just because we can you know yeah. you, you don't have to follow ever you, you know? oh no in fact you know one ought to try every kind of different route if, yeah. if you have the privilege to do so well we didn't follow did we so. <laughs> exactly <laughs> here's Johnny Come Lately on Tim's Listening Party The fifth track on International Velvet, Johnny Come Lately. The next track is uh, actually going back to the goldfish thing and paracetamol and, and uh, well, not paracetamol because we've not touched on that yet, but um, I presume uh, there was, you know, paracetamol needed. Uh, is this goldfish and paracetamol? Yeah. I love this song as well. So I used to play this on stage, the acoustic guitar. There's 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 lyrics in this that I, I, um, I, I do stand by, you know. Yeah. It, it's quite fun. It's about... Crochetin and you know quite unusual couplets in there that yeah. I, I like rather a lot. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, yeah, it's quite funny. I think. I hope it's a bit funny. Yeah. As sad as it is, 
it, I hope there's a humor till the end. Yeah. Through it. <laughs> yeah. No, I like this one. So, what are the lyrics then? Uh, so, we're talking about the compass. Uh huh. A dead loss, no fun, just glum, lying next to someone. So, don't mention the war. Don't question where we stand or where we fall. North, south, east, where's best? I, if I had left, it turns out directionless. And needlepoint aside, as in compass, I always find embroidery leaves me blind because I'm too weary to rest since I notice coming second best is close to ideal. What fools boredom breeds? So much to do, so many goldfish to feed. (laughs) And paracetamol, I'll take them all. They line my stomach wall. With customary thirst, I search a water glass, but gin hits first. Oh, don't believe the hype. Expectancy will always spoil a party. It's tourniquet by crochet. (laughs) My waters break. Don't drive for pity's sake, because I'm too weary to rest since I notice coming second best is close to ideal. Wow. So so it's like playing with a lot of female things going on there. It's just amazing. Making fun of it. Can you remember kind of like, you know, the headspace that you were in when you were writing stuff like that? I can. It wasn't particularly positive. I mean, for the sake of the song, or for the sake of the conversation, it doesn't really matter, I suppose, now. But But it's kind of making fun out of of, uh, the situation, or trying to, you know. I mean, a lot of my stuff has come out of not positive stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and some say that uh, you know being in a bad place creates great music. You know. Um, I mean, I'd rather not be in the bad place. But then you get a song and you think maybe it was worth. It. Do you think so? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Either. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't ever want to be in a bad place. I don't. Um, but I can look back and think, you know, that was my headspace and. Yeah. And that's what I got out of it. And it's a way of getting out of it. It is a way of getting out that, of it. That's really true. That was my way of getting stronger and, yeah. and, and saying, okay, I'm going to make fun of the situation. And now the next step is to drag the hell out of, yeah. out of that situation and, yeah. and get better. Yeah. I mean, we've had some terrible situations and telling stories, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, even going into it was pretty, pretty dire you know like for me personally and, mm. but, yeah. how do you find now roll on a few decades when you're singing those songs that hurt so much at the time mm. or were written at a time which was you know a, a tragic time yeah how do you find now when you sing those songs on stage can you can you do you feel do you, do you go back to how vulnerable and, and sad you feel then or do you do you are you able to sort of frame them in a place and move on yeah, the the it's I don't feel hurt when I'm singing them on stage, but 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 there's an energy and a power there that that is pretty, you know, intense, you know, especially like when I'm singing like one to another, and um, we have uh, you know a few tricks of the trade, uh, um, you know, uh, triggers, jealous, of, uh, triggers, <laughs> triggers of, of uh, Rob Collins's vocals. Yeah. So it's like I can still hear him every time we sing it. You know that song, and he's like his backing vocals are sort of triggered, and it's like sometimes he's louder than me on stage, and it's just like there oh, he is, sort of like wow. you know, still there. Yeah, it's mad, but I love that you say you get a strength out of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's is it, it, it and and there's a real there's a real power to what we created, the song that we created. 
you know, I, I was going to say on record, but I mean, it, it, we're talking about life. But so when when we do it, it just still sounds really powerful, and and could the energy probably came from a really dark place, you know. And yeah, people like me, a huge fan of that song, gave us so many good times. I remember, <laughs> yeah. I remember but it was the song we'd put on to get ready to go out. In well, it's like a real like, yeah, yeah, it is. But it's, it's so um, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because where, it, where the origins of these songs from, and they might yeah. be completely in contrast to the. It vibe. Came from hell. Well, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lesson one learns in life, isn't it? With with the, with the privilege of time that. You know, you can move things on. Yeah, you know, definitely. And you must move things on if if they're not feeling too good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Let's move on with the song and hear track number six, Goldfish in Paracetamol. That was Catatonia playing on Absolute Radio with Goldfish and Paracetamol, taken from International Velvet. My favourite song on the album is the title track, International Velvet, which is okay. the next song. And you must be really proud of this one. I mean, I always think, you know, you sing verses at least are all in Welsh, mm-hmm. right? And then the chorus is a bit Welsh and... And then there's the bit about I'm so proud to be... Yeah, every day I thank <laughs> the Lord I'm Welsh. Sing it. Go on, Tim. Well, I mean, I, I love, <laughs> you know, I, I thank the Lord that I am Welsh, you know. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, Tom Jones was, you know, you did stuff with him and, you know, you became like, you know, a national treasure and, you know, I mean, you are anyway. But, you know, I mean, this was massive, right? It's really interesting because the the idea for this song came from a record that kept jumping into the same little loop, and that's what you hear as the sort of main bulk of the chassis of the song. Right. And um, yeah, and it kind of works in two ways. So it's sort of like lackluster, self-deprecating verses in Welsh. You know, wake up, sleepy whales. You know, yeah. where's where's the flame and all the rest of it. And then and then it bursts into this sort of. Um, chorus and that there's footage of us singing it in nineteen ninety nine when they were they finally got the Millennium Stadium oh, yeah. ready. Because wow. wow, remember wow. at the time there was huge panic because they didn't think it's gonna be ready for the broadcast across the world for billions of rugby fans. Um and, and they did eventually they were thank thankfully they were ready and we got to sing. Max Boyce was there singing. Um who else? Shirley Bassey, Bryn Terrell and um uh, Prince Charles, the then Prince Charles, with his, uh, I keep calling them ornamental goats, regimental goats. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was a, it, it was a big, it was a big moment. Yeah. And and if if with if I just give an ex- sort of like uh, for the younger listeners at the context of the time, it was absolutely fair play and normal for for anyone in the national press or radio to demean and insult regions regional accents um countryside people you know yeah. do you know what i'm getting at i do and it was it was meant you were meant to laugh it off oh it's only a bit of fun kind of thing um and so and and you know wales 
anything to do with Wales was about, I'm not even going to repeat it now, um, you weren't seeing an unequal status at all, or like the culture of Wales or anything like that. So to come out with this song, which was a little tongue-in-cheek, it was a little bit self-deprecating, which you wouldn't yeah. realise if you didn't speak Welsh anyway, yeah. and so yeah. you're playing already within the song, and just to come out and just go all out, say say something which you would never see, and you know, in the national press, and just to make fun, sort of send it all up, um, and then people really, really, really embraced it. Yeah. And that, and that, and that, and to do that in in that brand new stadium in '99, um, it it was it was it was lovely to to have that song. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you a fan of rugby? I like sports. Yeah. I used to play rugby. Uh, yeah. I, I got fresher of the week. Uh, yeah. One 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 year. Um, yeah, and then I and then I went to play football. I like I like the sound of sports. Right. And especially with rugby, obviously there's all the singing culture. Yeah, I mean the, the singing. It's, I mean I, bizarrely, I used to play rugby as well. Did you? Yeah, did what, you? what position were you? I was centre half. I was um, like uh, wing forward. Huh. It's called something else, I think. No, number six, I think I used to play. Yeah. Or on the wing because I used to be pretty pretty nippy. Well, yeah, mm. never know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to give a bit of a throw around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be interested in talking about Gareth Edwards and stuff. And oh. Yeah. J.P.R. Williams. Yeah. Do you play sports now? No. I gave up to, you know, try to forge a career in rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's still time. <laughs> yeah. God, God, Go back God, to, God. you know, I've given up drinking, given up smoking. I know, that's now. Go back, yeah, go, go back to shiny and get on, get on the getting on the pitch and and, and all that cricket. You know, I had this uh, weird bowling action. So I'm right-handed, but I, I used to bowl with my bowl. left. Oh, yeah. Be, oh yeah, yeah. So I'm right-handed, but but bowled with my me? left. So it's like uh, okay, one of them. So I mean, you know, I've not done it for like I've not done it for thirty years. Forty years, no. God, I, I don't know all them now, but um, <laughs> sorry, what was that? Yeah. I said that looked more like flamenco. Well, I'm, it was a bit more like flamenco, <laughs> uh, but I'd, I'd have to stand up and do it. But you know, but it was like that around the wicket, and people used to like freak out. You know, so you'd put a spin on it, or yeah, a bend it was, on I was it? a spinner. Yeah, spinner. Wow, yeah. Wow. I used to like the flash sort of spinning vibe. You tamper with your ball. <laughs> it's good. Oh, the sound of. Uh... What is it? The cricket, Leather the cricket sounds, the cricket sounds are uh, pretty, yeah. pretty interesting as well. Yeah. Enough about sports. Let's play the title track from International Velvet. International Velvet. <laughs> Can we talk about your voice? I do love singing, yeah. and I did love singing then. You know, I like. I just feel that you haven't for a while, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably wrong. I might have missed something. But. I haven't, I haven't sung for a while, but I'm trying to get it back. Yeah. Because I think if you don't sing for a while, it's like a muscle, and and you haven't got as great control over it as you might have when you sing regularly. Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get it back in practice. Yeah, you're gonna. 
if you see people in the car singing along, that'd be me. Like, yeah. You know, trying to trying to get some kind of voice. But I've got a couple of gigs coming up. Yeah. Um, it's part of a ballet, so they've made a ballet out of um the the Welsh folk traditional songs that I've done. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, no, it is great oh actually. So I'm sat on stage, in the corner, and then I I'm I'm right in the middle of of of, of a group of great dancers, and it's it's just a privilege of you can hear them, smell them, feel them. You know, to be that close to dancers is is something never never been that close apart from in nightclubs you know yeah yeah that's not ballet no Um, no it's It's a certain kind of dancing (laughs) similar but but not not so high kicks no usually you know yeah no i i i love the sound of i like sounds yeah full stop and then when you listen to somebody's voice and what they do with their voice or somebody's trump if they're you know a trumpet player or whatever it's like when it there's texture and when they're pushing it the realms of what they can do with how different they can make it sound i love it wow do you think um when you are getting back into the idea of singing again and 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 getting your voice back do you feel that you have to kind of like really stretch it and like kind of almost break it before it kind of comes back i mean i'm only saying because that's what i do i kind of really push it until i get a sore throat and then know that I rest it for a couple of days and then and then it'll be back and then it'll be back again, but a bit stronger. Is that a tip for the top? I don't know. It's probably it's probably a terrible tip. I mean, but that's mm-hmm. just me, you know. Did you ever have lessons? I went for one lesson in Presswich, and um, I went for it. It was like a three mile walk, uh, and and I went and this uh, this woman said to me. Um, you got to stop smoking. I said, well, right. And you've got to stop drinking. I thought, well, I'm not going to do any of those things. But I did this lesson and then I thought, maybe I'll go back for another one because I'd made a promise to myself that I'd, you know, try to be the best I could, you know. And I I went back the following week. She answered the door and said, this is the wrong day. Oh, no. And so I shut the door and and I just thought, right, well, I'm not going to come tomorrow. So I just didn't go again. Did you learn anything from it apart from that she wanted you to stop everything? Well, not really that. But just that she, I just felt that she didn't really like me very much. That's oh. all I learned, really. Maybe maybe <laughs> she didn't like the kind of music that we kind of make. I just was thinking about the great rock and roll swindle, and you know when uh, Johnny Rotten went for a singing lesson and that whole thing about that, I'm on a submarine mission, and it's it's it's, it's, it's a great moment in in um, in the great rock and roll swindle. And I thought, well, maybe it could, you know. Maybe this is this is my version, yeah. and uh, you know Presswich. I don't know whether you've been to Presswich at all, but it's kind of you know where Marky e. Smith's from and stuff right. like that. And I was just like where my dad grew up, and I was just thinking, nah, no. nah, I don't need it. So you just go on the road tour. Yeah, just be yourself. rough and tumble, you know. <laughs> hope, it, hope it comes out. Hope it comes out the way the way, the way you like it. Here's the eighth song from International Velvet. It's called "Why I Can't Stand One Night Stands." It's a false dawn Where we've been I forget And Saturday's fast Is just small town lust It's me, I'm cheating Now you're doing my head Catatonia with Why I Can't Stand One Night Stands on Tim's Listening Party. I mean, I know that your, like, knowledge of detail in, in music is, like, you know, above and beyond, you know. I'd like to know what you think about, you know, positioning of songs, you know, on, on, on an album and stuff like that. 
and uh, you know, now I mean, you're talking to. But there's a there's an absolute art in it, and I could I I will bore you senseless or, but please do. I right. do love sequencing yeah. songs. I yeah. lo- I do it now as as for a living. Yeah. You know, I I pick the songs from my radio shows. I put them in the order. I mix them. I bring texture in, spoken words, essence of sounds, yeah. mating mackerel, or you know, yeah. squeaking frogs or or blue whales. Whatever. I just it's the idea that you can just use the sounds that you've got, yeah. you know, available to you, and build new worlds out of them and shift in worlds as well. And 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 that's what you have every time you do a concert. You'll know this. Somebody has to be in charge of saying what songs you're going to sing and yeah. what order they're going to be yeah. and how are they going to flow. Are they going to stop between the songs? Are you going to be have fun by making a different kind of outro to the recording and make them overlap or crossfade or build a different kind of middle section, medley them? You know, you can play like hell with that kind of thing, and I. I've always loved that because it it's it's sort of it is exactly like I would imagine it feels as a painter when you are just picking the colors that you need a particular hint of this to make this work better next to that mm-hmm. and then if you get it right you are building you're building the scene you're building the drama and yeah. you you know when you're building up to a certain point that that is when you can go all guns blazing yeah. or when it or the opposite you know yeah. and it's it is one of the bits of pure pleasure about music or playing with other people's music or your own music it's it's a complete to me it's the biggest thrill in a way it's like creating a picture isn't it because i remember when i was at my mom when i was you know living my mom and dad as a kid school nights and stuff like that i just used to be in front of the cassette player with like play and record and pause and then i'd put on like say the soundtrack to The Prisoner or Mission Impossible or something like that and then go into a record by the Style Council or something yeah. like that and then and then maybe like a, a Chuck Berry song and, and, and then do some yeah some crickets or something cricket sounds or whatever wildlife yeah. music and, and then I'd just give my mates uh, compilation cassettes and you still do that my mum my used to say you know you're never going to come to anything doing that you know yeah. or words of that effect yeah but then you know i've you know i do that now so it's kind yeah, of exactly it's kind of weird you know like you know before you know the music before a, a, a gig yep. um you know taste giving people a taste of uh, uh, of the feeling that you want to create yeah. uh, setting uh, scene, you set in the scene you know it's like you know it's always great to be in a dressing room close to my mixtape you know uh, yeah. before we go on because it can and that's that's what we're talking about isn't it the idea that music for whatever reason it has an effect on human beings emotions yeah and it can change the way you feel yeah and that's that's the magic of music well you're like a historian with all that you know on your show and you know well is there available for us over a yeah. hundred years of recordings yeah. and now because it's such a span of time yeah. we've also got the essence of the changes of the recording so the textures are to- totally different as well yeah like and uh, uh, pressing qualities and the and nuance stuff like that. of playing something yeah. from whatever era it is would yeah. be completely different and the way people speak or enunciate or di- you know the way they phrase changes across the eras it's brilliant 
it's really brilliant when you hear like you know those old it's like uh, folk ways yeah um sort of recordings and sort of like lead belly and like hank williams and the way that you know that, that in their limited resources that they had you know and, and you know you can yeah, i think you can proudly put them up next to something that was recorded yesterday you know yeah but you have to be quite careful because they they will they can clash and they can dwarf sonically each other yeah yeah so you, that's that's the kind of the beauty of the you know knitting the stuff is is making sure there isn't too much of a sometimes a, a big contract contrast works yeah but the major modern production will completely dwarf a lead belly usually so you have to so it's like a eq <laughs> yeah let's let's talk eq <laughs> now just sit them somehow or put something in between them so that you're preparing the listener for a totally different range of sound when we went to japan uh the first time first time we went to japan I didn't realise that there's going to be absolute silence in between songs. <gasps> yes. <laughs> so people, they get... Yes. Um, so the Japanese audience would get really excited, clap for like about five seconds and then all stop at the same time. And it'd take us, you know, like five, ten seconds to fifteen, well, however long, you know, to get into the next song. And we just came up with the idea that we would uh, use crickets uh, and, and mix them in. And, and I'm just now remembering that it probably all comes back from when I was living at my mum's with the BBC soundtracks. And that's comforting as well because yeah. there's something really not comforting about, about absolute silence, silence when yeah. You've, when you're in front of an audience. And not for the audience either, I suppose. I think they kind of probably. I mean, I think they were always quite interested in what I had to say in between songs and, yeah. I, and I didn't really say anything. But it is a shock when you. Well, I remember going to Japan and having exactly the same reaction yeah. and, and being at the Fuji Rock Festival. <laughs> yeah. And actually, the Stone Roses were there at the time. Oh, yeah. And watching the Stone Roses. But it was, I think, the Fuji Rock Festival must have fallen in summertime because there was also the whole crowd were wearing white handkerchiefs on their heads <laughs> it was quite it's quite you know because you, you do you're, you're traveling in the 90s we were very lucky and you know we were all on touring the world stages yeah, yeah, weren't yeah, we yeah, you know yeah, and sort completely. of following each other around um and i'm being privy to all the different sort of um culture differences and and habits of a crowd of in a venue or a festival and stuff yeah amazing next up on international velvet Part of the furniture. Yeah. Tell me about it. Baba Papa, isn't it? <laughs> Something to do with it. I love that cartoon. Yeah. Do you remember Baba Papa's? I do, I but I can't remember hardly anything about it. They were just like blobs. Yeah. But the blobs were able to change shapes to become anything they needed at the time, dependent on the story. I just remember a kid at our school calling a teacher Baba Papa. Did, was he happy about that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, random memory. Yeah, it was a random memory. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't. I don't remember anything about the cartoon at all. So. Yeah. No, that was just 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 that small song. Yeah. Do you think small songs can become like the biggest ones? You never know. Well, you kind of know. I didn't. You know, that was just a sweet little song. I think. Yeah. You know, that came out of that session. You're listening to Tim's listening party, and this is part of the furniture.
This is Tim's listening party on Absolute Radio, and that was part of the furniture taken from Catatonia's International Velvet. Keris, earlier we were talking about Wales, but like, you know, going back to Wales and stuff, I mean, you know, for me, we recorded, you know, our first five albums in Wales. Monmouth and Rockfield, which one always appears? Our first one was done uh, in Wrexham, uh, at a place called The Windings. So that was some friendly, and then we went to Rockfield. Uh, in Monmouth and then Mono Valley yeah I love Mono Valley where was this I think this was either Mono Valley or Rockfield this one the International Velvet International Velvet was done in Rockfield or Mono Valley I'm not sure one or the other was it they're sort of sister studios yeah they're they're, they're, they're 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 very close and it's the same family yeah it's the same family yeah Charles had um, Mono Valley and, and Kingsley had Rockfield. has Rockfield yes yeah, yeah. Yes. and um, Mono Valley is not a studio I don't think anymore no Oh, it was beautiful. It was done in Mono Valley because the reason I know it was recorded in Mono Valley was Mono Valley has a little stream or river right at the bottom end of its yeah. land. Yeah. So you go out of the, the drum house, which is yep. the glass end. It's yeah, beautiful love that. Stone yeah. extension. Mm-hmm. And so it's really live if you want that live sound with drums. And if you go outside of that extension and keep walking across the grass, which is lovely and dewy of a morning, misty sometimes, you'd find yourself at the banks of a river. And we recorded Don't Need the Sunshine sat on the banks. We got all the cabling down from the main studio and just sat there. It was me and Owen Powell. Um, and we sat there and recorded. That's that so song. beautiful. That's one of Owen's songs. I had a d- bit of a different experience. So we got our car stuck in the mud uh, outside the drum room and we had to call the Stone Roses to come and <laughs> to come and bring a tractor down and tow us out. It was Ian Brown and Manny. So Were they living? Because some of them settled around the Yeah, they, well, they? yeah, Manny settled there for a little bit but um, but the, I guess you could say that the whole of the band settled because it took them 18 months to record their second album there. So th- did they own the tractor or were they just like... It was Kingsley's. Okay, yeah, so, so, they so drove... Kingsley let the yeah. Stone Roses take the tractor to come and pull the charlatans out. Yeah, I love that story. It's good, isn't it? But that yeah. happened on that spot, you know, Did in between the drumming. Well? Well, I don't yeah. know. I mean, what I, was I think Manny it was... like behind the wheel. Uh, <laughs> you know, I remember Manny and Rob going fishing. Yes, uh, brown uh, trout. I think yeah, for for, for, for trout just on that on that spot, mm. and um, Manny brought a tin of baked beans with him <laughs> as, as bait. <laughs> To trout like beans. I don't know. Oh. I, uh, th- I kind of like, at that point, I think I went okay. back to recording and let them get on with it. <laughs> How's the album coming along, lads? <laughs> so, Can you imagine, though? I mean, just, just think about that. How long? How many years was it? Uh, it, was na- it was about 95, 95, 90s. Well, because uh, we did three albums in Monarch Valley back to back. The first one took three months, second one, six, and the last one, nine. And it was just we were just there every day. <laughs> it was just not a lot happened really, you know. Just just getting up to no good, you know. There's rafters above the mixing desk. Yeah. You could climb up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've yeah. climbed up there. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Did Billy Duffy ever come down and try and record you? Or uh, no, I don't. I don't remember it. There's someone who went down to Mono Valley and 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 they were recording somebody. And, and and they couldn't understand how any band could have. It was probably after your album. Then they couldn't understand how anyone could have a number one album, um, and you know, with the gear that was at Mono Valley, because it was like so. It was really basic. And I remember someone coming down because uh, Charlatans by Charlatans went to number one. And someone came down to interview us, and Dave Charles, uh, the engineer, he said, uh, "This is to him." Um, 
you know what what mics do you use for you know for for, for Tim and and his vocal sound and stuff like that and he just said the closest one no but what I remember was it was a beautiful so it was just a, it was a vibe though that it more was a than beautiful anything old desk it had the old like Abbey Road kind of it wasn't up and down it yeah. was moving them around they were on a sick you know Oh no no it 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 wasn't um it was uh, the old Beatles was it the old Beatles desk there, Well pe- people used to do mixes and have it aut- automated It was definitely not It automated wasn't automated desk. every time we did a mix we Let's did it for real out. we did it for real <laughs> get the tractor out <laughs> And then if yeah I mean you know and then if you if we made mistakes and 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 it, the track was too long you'd have to cut Clip the multi track yeah. and all that kind yeah. of stuff But I think it was Billy Duffy who who who, who was working at Mono Valley, and he couldn't understand how people made records there. Even I mean, he was, he was living in LA at the time, but I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, the whole thing about Rockfield and Mono Valley is a vibe, a isn't vibe. it? And 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 you capture that really more than you use really high tech gear and stuff. And I think I think the idea that a lot of the record companies and managers had was that they were so far away from any cities that you would actually crack on and write songs and get them recorded. It's the opposite though, wasn't it? You know, well, uh, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, we went looking looking for action, you know, good times every night. <laughs> this is track number 10 on International Velvet. It's Don't Need the Sunshine. But you don't need the sunshine. I don't mind. You don't need the good time. Keris, tell me about Strange Glue. Well, Strange Glue, I've just this week watched the video. It was made, it's one of my favourite videos because it was fun to make. <laughs> the worst video I made was Lost Cat, which I think is, is that Lost Cat on this album? The no. album before. Album before. I decided, well, somebody, do you, I'll sh- tell you how it works, videos, how it used to work. The record company, between yourselves and the record company, you choose the singles, right? And then they there was a budget in the nineties. Wow, for videos, <laughs> big budgets, <quite> often, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and then and then they throw it out um, for directors to come. Is this the same for you? Yeah, yeah. And we'd get video. And then you get treatments. Of treatments. And... Yeah, the proposals of what they were going to do with what you didn't realize at the time was your money. Actually, that yeah, would go onto the debt that you eventually. Oh, that's owe it. Sorry, we get a show reel and then a treatment. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And so there's what this one with Lost Cat. The treatment was okay. So, Keris is going to be the cat figure, um, stuck on on top of a lamppost, and the boys are going to be the firemen uh, on a trailer coming to save, rescue the cat. <laughs> oh, okay, random, but all right, we'll do that. Not thinking that this was going to be January, freezing cold, stuck up a lamppost for fifteen hours. You know, stuck tied in, tied on top of a lamppost. You know, it was. It, anyway, I learned the lesson then. It's like the next video was like, let's go to the Caribbean and be filmed on the beach. Couldn't get to the Caribbean. That's where we ended up in Scotland. That's <laughs> I and the mob. Um, but this one, um, strange glue. We ended up in Portugal because it coincided with oh, a Portugal nice. expo that year as well. If, nice. I, if my memory serves me right. It was beautiful because I, I love traveling and history and yeah. you know Lisbon is like if you've not been go it's so full of history read a book about you know the, the, the 
history there because it's just brilliant. Um, so I've got very, very fond memories of this. And in fact, the director, thanks to social media now, he got in touch with me this week and he's like, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 25 years later, hi, how's it going? You know, it's funny, isn't it? How yeah. Time has gone so fast. And um, But yeah, it's strange glue. Um, uh, Owen Powell, one of the main, main songwriters on Strange Glue, again, absolutely superb song to sing. Yeah, like, you know, my absolute pr- privilege to 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 be involved with the song and um, make it my own kind of thing. Um, yeah, this is Absolute Radio, and this is Strange Glue by Catatonia. That's the penultimate track on International Velvet. It's Catatonia with Strange Glue. Sadly, this episode of Tim's Listening Party is nearly over because we're at the final song of the album. But before then, let's talk about the final track, My Selfish Gene. Oh, gosh. I just love your voice on that. I mean, it's so amazing and so exposed and, you know, it's like youthful, you know, and, and, and like you were saying, you probably didn't like it uh, high. It's very know? high. But it's, it's gorgeous, you know. The Selfish Gene song, it's, it's a really clever song and it's it's brilliant to sing as a singer. You can really... It's such a joy to sing because you can just push buttons with it, if you know what I mean, melody-wise and, and lyric-wise. Um, my father comes from kind of a medical background and he was like, um, my selfish gene, it fills my spleen with bile and all the while mm-hmm. I thought you gave a damn... He said, well, your spleen doesn't make bile. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of spoiled it for me. I'm like, oh, okay. But, yeah, we sang... We sang <laughs> so, I love this song. Good kudos to Mark Roberts. And we sang it um, with Jules Holland. That was one of the ones that wow. we did on later was Jules on piano. And it was one of my... If, if, I, ha- you know, if I have to look back and have to pick favourite memories, that would be one of them to sing this song you know on a big big scale like that you know um that's a beautiful thing yeah, yeah. and be yeah. Pr- be really proud of it as a, as a piece of music that's a nice feeling are we going to get some shows oh that's what i should mention as well so this this why why it's sort of like the right time to come and talk more about well to talk at all about the album because it's been so so long um, the the album is coming out again on vinyl. Brilliant! Um, it's the best sleeve as well. It's such oh, a gorgeous sleeve. Yeah, really, amazing. It is a, amazing. It's a good sleeve, and on the back the the songs are in that you know like a velvet back and the I don't know what they're called. You know they have them in cafes when you put the menu on those kind of typesetting yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it it it's um it was a big deal for us. Like this album, it changed everything for us. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's been such a long chunk of time now that we've actually we're now talking again, so that's yeah. nice. Yeah, and it's mad how you just can drift apart, right? I mean, yeah, you know. but you you are in each other's pockets. Yeah. 
absolutely you're you're like brothers and sisters yeah, you're yeah. in each other's pockets 24 7 and it's quite a strange world when yeah. you are at that point you're young you know it's it's artificial and yeah. and you know it's 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 artificial it's it's weird so anyway yeah enough time has gone by and the album's been reissued and warner brothers you know like I think it's the right thing to do because at the time a lot of bands would have signed contracts that there was no streaming at that point. Yeah. It was a totally different world. Yeah. And as I mentioned before with these massive videos that we didn't realise were the debt to the band. So yeah. you can quite often be a successful band but still be in debt to the record company. Oh yeah. And now a lot of record companies um, are seeing the light and that they sh because the, the the streaming companies are now sharing some of the profit with the record companies but the bands are not seeing that mm -hmm. yet that hasn't changed it's gone back to the 80s that sense but Warner Brothers have in our in our case um, written off our debt because we they didn't factor in the profits they're now making from streaming which was, wasn't in existence so I want to say thanks to Warner Brothers for doing yeah, that yeah it should, be, it should and, be more of that shouldn't it yeah, yeah. Sh it should be yeah. I mean it does need looking at in detail yeah. because it's 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 it has gone back to the 80s in terms of it not being a fair share the mm -hmm. way the system works at the moment for artists there's good people like Bro uh, Broken Record who are looking into all that as well mm. no totally so yeah and I'm really proud to stand behind it and with with the um, other members of the band and yeah. yeah I hope people enjoy it again and having it on vinyl it's, it's something I remember having it on vinyl you know, and it coming out on vinyl. I always associate International Velvet with this format for yeah. whatever reason. It, it worked great. And we thought of it when we were recording it and sequencing it. It I had that on mind, you know, the whole thing. Well, I'll, I'll be getting myself a copy. Oh, thank so. you. <laughs> and, uh, well, I think that's it. And, you know, I think that's it, right? That's it. Wow. That was well, brilliant. I've been enjoying you so your listening parties, you Tim. So it's been a, it's been a while. We've been trying to make this work for a long time. We have been trying we? to make it work. So I mean, you know. patience. Anytime. Yeah. Cool. Keris, thank you so much for joining me. Let's conclude the listening party with the final track on International Velvet, My Selfish Gene. That was Catatonia with myself as Sheen. What a pleasure it was to be joined on this episode of Tim's Listening Party by Keris Matthews to tell me all about Catatonia's International Velvet on its 25th anniversary. As always, I am to finish each listening party with a handful of artists I've been listening to this past week. I've been listening to Deakin. He's a member of Animal Collective and the album's called Sleep Cycle and the tracks I've been listening to and really kind of interested in are, are, are Golden Chords and Just Am. I'd really recommend it. Also, I've been listening to Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, Architecture and Morality. I uh, did a live listening party with Andy McCluskey um, the other night in Soho. And um, can't get enough of it, really. Souvenir, Joan of Arc. I mean, you know all the big ones, but you know there's some, there's some really good, probably less well-known songs that kind of glue it all together and stand out you know, just as well. So this week I've been listening to the very best of Barry Ryan. In particular, there's a, a great song called Eloise, um, which The Damned covered. But um, it's a funny story. A couple of, a couple of years ago, I was writing a book 
um, called uh, Vinyl Adventures, a.k.a. Timbuktu. And I was walking down the street and um, and uh, I bumped into Neil Tennant and I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to ask him if he'd um, recommend an album that I have to find for an inclusion in my book. And he said that he was on tour and he'd been looking in record shops and, and he came across Paul and Barry Ryan. Paul was his brother, I think, the songwriter, and I think Barry was the singer. And um, so he recommended that. I was thinking about that story the other day and I just thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll check out this album. So I've been listening to uh, a lot of Aretha Franklin. Sometimes nothing does it better than Aretha. So I've Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You is the album that I've been listening to the most and that has respect on it, which is just incredible. And Good Times, Do Right Woman, Do Right Man, and the classic A Change Is Gonna Come. Feel free to let me know what you've been listening to along with your thoughts on this episode by tweeting me using the hashtag Tim's Listening Party. If you missed any of tonight's show or any previous listening parties, just search and follow Tim's Listening Party wherever you get your podcasts. There you'll find listening parties with the likes of The The, U2, Def Leppard, The Kinks, Simple Minds, Gunk and Nancy, and more. Every song on this episode of my listening party was taken from Catatonia's International Velvet. The album was released on Blanco E Negro, See you next time. Absolute Radio. Telling the story behind another iconic album with Tim Burgess. Get involved using the hashtag Tim's Twitter Listening Party.